0: Before we get started today, we've put together a little survey for you, our listeners, uh, so we can learn more about what you like and what you want to hear about.
1: So since the beginning of 2020, we've been following along with three different companies and a little bit of a change of format. And we're coming to the end of that first batch of companies. And we want to get your take on what next season might look like.
0: Yeah, so we're taking our own product advice and asking the users here so we can learn a little bit about you, who you are, and what you're interested in, and what you'd like for next season. So that link that we've got the survey at is tbot.io slash giant robots dash survey. Again, that's giant robots dash survey. And your voice is really important to us. So I really hope that you go there and take the survey and let us know.
1: And you'll find the link to that survey, too, in the show notes for this episode. Thanks very much for your time. We really appreciate it.
0: Yes, thank you. Giant robot smashing into other giant
1: robots. This is the Giant Robot Smashing into Other Giant Robots podcast, where we explore the design, development, and business of great products. I'm your host, Chad Pytel.
0: And I'm your other host, Lindsay Christensen. We've come to a very exciting point in our 2020 <laughs> journey. We're coming up on our final interviews with our, our founders to kind of wrap up the season.
1: I never thought we'd get to this day. (laughs) You did. Actually, that's not, that's not true. I I totally expected us to get to this day. You
0: know what? I never know what to expect this year. So that's true. It's, it's nice to have made it. So I kind of love where we're ending as far as the topics are concerned. This month, we're going to be talking to all the founders about values. When did you first write ThoughtBots values?
1: We didn't always call them values. We, when we first wrote them down, we called them principles. And that's because they were more like a list of things we believed in or wanted to do or wanted to not do. So they were like around the way that we developed products or the, you know, that we did test-driven development. And they were first written down in 2005, so that was two years after we got started, and it was when the three original founders of the five decided to leave, and you know we were making the conscious choice to stick with it. We were very pretty intentional about this is not worth doing if we're not doing it the way that we want to do it, and when we said it was happy in our work. And so we literally took out a piece of paper and wrote down the things we wanted to be doing and the things we wanted to stop doing. And that turned into the list of principles.
0: How many people were in the company? Was it just the founders?
1: Yeah, it was just John and I. Yeah, and a tech support person. But in terms of the people who were creating those values, it it was he and I.
0: I was curious because I think sometimes a motivator for writing down values is when you're hiring or growing quickly and you maybe have some assumed values, you know, certain company ethos and culture that's forming, but you haven't actually written it down. And you're thinking about who do we want to be hiring? What kind of people, how are they going to fit in? Or how do we know if they fit in and are are going to help us achieve what we want to achieve? And a good way to do that is to actually think about, well, what are exactly what are our values?
1: Yeah. And when we renamed principles to values and refined them, That is sort of the mindset we were in. But back then in 2005, when we first wrote them, it was was really about sort of recommitting to the company ourselves and figuring out what we were going to be for ourselves. And that served us for a long time. It wasn't even necessarily the hiring that caused us to reframe them as values, although that was an important component to it. Really, it was about the time that had gone by and the things that had changed in between those two milestones. So because that list of principles was more like our development practices and our design practices and that kind of thing, two things were happening. One was we were adding people to the company that weren't designers and developers. So having principles that only applied to design and development, you know, that wasn't very helpful. And then second, those design and development practices were changing. So those two things combined caused us to say, like, what are the underlying values in these principles? So when we say, like, we do test-driven development and that's a principle, what's the underlying value that is causing us to have that practice or principle and extract that out and, and you know, identify that quality is one of our values? So then quality becomes one of our values and that becomes a guiding principle to everyone that we hire, not just designers and developers. It's like quality is important in everything we do.
0: It also becomes an important framework for thinking about clients or for Mm -hmm. product companies, customers. I think even more so with clients in a way because you are working so closely and it's important to be working with someone who has, to some extent, shared values as you.
1: Yeah. And I think I, I've probably said this to you before. You know, It used to be that those principles were what defined us or differentiated us. When we said we did test-driven development, we were one of the only companies in 2005 that really, truly practiced that, particularly in Boston where we were getting started. And so customers could find us and choose us based on that principle over time, more and more, the things that defined us and differentiated us and allowed customers to choose us were those values. And not just the value of quality, because hopefully people are choosing an app design and development company based on quality, but things like self-management and fulfillment. And the part of being fulfilled is having a diverse team of people who can bring their experiences together to create a better product. I think clients see that and want that. And that's increasingly important. Like Consumers, customers, businesses, I think more and more are getting comfortable with the idea of making buying decisions based on purpose and values and that kind of thing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's really exciting to see people really purchasing and engaging with companies that do share their values. It's interesting because some values, especially I think, like quality, is one where probably most people have that as as a, a value. Mm-hmm. Getting into, you know, sometimes it's tricky to differentiate when things become so common.
1: Yeah, the way that I find that helpful, and we'll use quality as the example, is that your your values don't just define who you are, they define who you're not. Values are used to say, like, this is the way that we behave, or this is what is acceptable or not acceptable way of operating. And so the quality one, for example, I often say that the difference between ThoughtBot and other places is that it's okay to say this isn't good enough yet. And I think in a lot of teams and a lot of organizations, it's not really acceptable to sort of say that and to hold things back, or even if you're moving forward with it, to have a common understanding that this isn't where we want it to be yet. And yes, we may need to ship it today, but we're going to continue to strive to increase the quality of it.
0: Yeah, so actually, for those who aren't familiar, it's probably worthwhile to run through what our values are. And we also have a purpose statement. Was the purpose statement always included with the values or did that come afterwards, before? It came
1: afterwards. You know, we have always avoided having a mission statement because, I don't know, we had a bunch of baggage around like corporate statements and mission statements and and all that stuff. So for whatever reason, we just had this sense that mission statements were often BS made by like, a bunch of people who didn't actually do work getting together and coming up with something that wasn't meaningful
0: yeah and i mean honestly i can i said the same thing for values right and which is why it's so dependent on the company and if you're like actually living these out and who's actually contributing to them because absolutely mission statements and values can be written by you know four people off in a room because, Mm -hmm. you know, they want to put it out on, on the website or whatever, and it doesn't actually mean anything.
1: Yeah. So the purpose came about because we, I'm trying to remember when it was, I think it was 2013. And so 2013, we had a real feeling that like we had grown a lot and we felt like we were on the next step of what we were as a company. And I, there was a lot of question from myself and from the team, like, why were we doing what we were doing? Why were we growing? Why were we opening other studios? Why had we done the things that we had done? And Carlo, who was with us in San Francisco at the time, pointed out this idea of a purpose statement. And I had never heard of it before. But the idea behind a purpose statement is it's not a mission statement. It's not what you do as a company to make money the idea behind it is it's a statement that defines that underlying why for a team. And that really resonated with us. So what we did was we um, we actually introduced the concept of a purpose statement to the whole company and then asked people to write their own and submit them. It was pretty neat because I think we we had a sense of like, you're not pulling a purpose statement out of thin air. Like you're just exposing the purpose that's already there, I think. And that's what we did. And people inherently knew what it was or, or got the gist of it, but it had just never been written down before. And so it was really remarkable to see them all roll in because they were so similar. Like people really sort of understood that the important components of what makes ThoughtBot tick are striving to find better ways of working and an important component to that came out in the purpose was the sharing that we do that that really is a big motivator for people at Thoughtbot, and what drives us or motivates us every day is not only to create something great with a product or to find a better way to work but also to share it with people and uh It did exactly what we (laughs) felt like we were lacking at the time, which was it gave us a reason for why we had done what we had done over the last four years, which was expanded the team dramatically, added a lot of other studios, and this idea of sharing what we have with as many people as possible helped sort of synthesize what had happened and, and helped us set a direction for the next upcoming sort of phase of the company.
0: So then the values for ThoughtBot, what, there's five?
1: Yeah, we, we used to have seven. I think we used to even have more principles. When we converted the principles into values, we had ended up with transparency was mm-hmm. one of the original values. And over the next few years, we realized that like, one, it's nice to have fewer values if you can. Yeah. Seven is a lot you can ideally memorize them or know them. And when, when you have a lot, that can be difficult. And so as we, as we looked at them, we realized that like we had both the value of trust and the value of transparency. And we realized like transparency is an end result of what we're striving for, but you can't have it without trust. And so those were sort of redundant and we stripped it away to just trust.
0: Yeah, I think that's another common mistake that's easy to make is having too many values and also ones mm-hmm. that overlap. So mm-hmm. tr- trying to really distill it down to like, what are the core values are? And then by doing that, they are easier to you know remember and sort of grab for in certain situations. So you mentioned trust was one, we talked about quality. There's also continuous improvement, self-management, and fulfillment were those all in the original mix
1: yeah we refined fulfillment when we first did it in the principles it was called happiness and to some people happiness can sound sort of superficial and there's something deeper in the word fulfillment not only does it give space for bringing your whole self to work and having a diverse team i also think like I often refer to fulfillment as our North Star value, meaning it's the thing we most often when we need to make a decision about a direction to head into, looking to fulfillment to do that. So that's one that has undergone a fair amount of revision over the last decade.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's another important characteristic of values that are done well are they are North Stars and they are actionable which is Mm -hmm. another way they get embedded into everything you do. And another way that they're memorable to the the team and your your customers is that you're actively using them in the decisions you make, especially difficult decisions, especially strategic decisions.
1: Yeah. And I'm just looking at the text of fulfillment, which people can see at thoughtbot.com slash purpose. And it occurs to me There's a relatively recent change here, which is the last line was recently revised, I think last year. It used to say something like, we're proud of the work we're doing and believe that it's meaningful and worth existing. And we changed it, I think last year, to also then end with and improve society and human well-being. And I'm a big believer in that these things that our core values, can be revised. And and it's not even necessarily that your values are changing. It's sort of along the lines of what I said with purpose. It's like you're uncovering the things that were already there as you learn more about them. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're changing. It means that maybe that was always there, you just never articulated it before because you didn't realize.
0: Yeah, and I know we've talked about it before, um, but for anyone who's not familiar we've talked about how we've got our internal handbook in github and anyone on the team can create issues or pull requests on you know how we operate or even how what kind of language we use to talk about that and that includes the values as well and it happens relatively frequently
1: yeah and i think it helps that one of our values is continuous improvement well
0: ex- exactly <laughs> right that puts it to the forefront and it's a kind of you know walking the walk that we're going to improve on on how we talk about these things
1: yeah and this and this is one thing that i really lack perspective on given the fact that i've spent almost my entire career at thoughtbot and i'm, I'm curious since you have more experience at other companies is like is what we do usual? Is it unique? Is the way that we talk about values and pay attention to them and everything is like is that something that happens at other companies?
0: It happens. I I do think it's very unique at Thoughtbot. I think some of the unique aspects of it are how authentic and important the values are to our day-to-day operations and informing what we do was one of the huge draws for me joining being in like a mission-driven value-driven company like authentically value-driven company was has become increasingly more and more important to me and i think thoughtbot does a really admirable job of doing that to the point where now i always say like it'd be really hard to leave (laughs) it'd be really (laughs) hard to leave thoughtbot because everyone's voice is important in the values. Everyone is very passionate about the values. And they're just constantly referenced. I think other companies I've been at have really tried to do that. Some have, you know, to different extents. But in execution, I've never seen it done as well as at ThoughtBot. And I've definitely never seen, you know, as many voices be able to Be heard when it comes to what what the values are and continuously like revisiting them
1: my hypothesis about why that is stems from like if you have a product company any company that has a product and you look at like where you spend your time it's going to be making that product better working on that product that's where most people's time and energy will be focused. At ThoughtBot, we do that same thing, but our product is our team and our processes and our purpose and our values. Like That's what people are buying when they buy ThoughtBot. And so that is our product. And so we spend just as much time thinking about and refining that as any company does their product. Mm -hmm. And I think, to be honest, that's where a lot of consulting companies or agencies get it wrong. And if they realized that, if they realized that that's what people were buying or that what their product is, they would probably do a better job uh, and be more successful.
0: So this year we launched Agency U, in which you're doing a little consulting of the consultants for yeah. uh, other product agencies. Is this a topic that's come up with any of them?
1: It has a little bit, probably not as explicitly as that. We haven't gotten to that yet. We've been focused a lot on what makes the companies different sales, marketing tactics. It's almost like there's enough low-hanging fruit with that that we haven't gotten to the base values-driven stuff quite yet. Mm -hmm. So real focus on just sales follow-up and how to do how yeah, to do that yeah. <laughs> as opposed to the, the, but I think we'll get there eventually. And yeah. I'm having a lot of fun with the companies working with them closely. Cool.
0: Were there any other companies that you looked to for inspiration when writing values or how we manage our values?
1: Not when it came to the values. I think we really came up with them. At least me, when I was working on contributing, I wasn't looking at other companies' values. The purpose statement was a little bit different because it was something that was a, a new concept. And so when I was learning about it, when we were communicating it with the team, we did give examples, like either real-world examples, like here is this company's purpose statement, so here's the format of it, or saying instead of worrying about writing thoughtbot's purpose statement what would this random company's purpose statement be to like basically practice writing mm-hmm. a purpose statement yep. not about thoughtbot and then then applying that to thoughtbot so we did look at purpose statements from other companies
0: when you're talking to a prospective client do you go to their values page
1: <sighs> that's a good question the answer is no really yeah
0: I actually, we do it yeah. on the marketing side when we're looking at trying to find, you know, potential mm-hmm. new companies that we'd like to work with, go to the about page and see if they, they feel thought body, if there's a match.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. I'm trying to think of why I don't. And I think part <laughs> of it is that so much of values can just be written and, mm. and not lived. And so since I'm having the conversations, like I'm looking for those red flags in how they actually behave and mm-hmm. and and that kind of thing, rather than what they say on their website. But I think it's great that you're following <laughs> up and looking at it. That's amazing. I didn't know. To be honest, from time to time, there are companies that come to us wanting to do work with us that either overtly, like obviously are counter to our values. So for example, like tobacco companies, and then there's other ones which are like potentially not overtly but maybe we just know about them or the founders maybe are not aligned with our values and i think that that is something that we struggle with sometimes because we also recognize i think that these are super important and so how do you like constructively engage with the world to try to create improvement like if if, for example like a company that doesn't value diversity in the way that we do, for example. And this is probably a less egregious, like, you know, there are companies that actively campaign and contribute against LGBTQ plus rights, for example. Like, there's that, there's just you know, whether they have diversity or not explicitly in their values or that kind of thing is like, do you just write off that company or do you actually try to engage in a way that then ultimately tries to improve them and impart your values on them? And I think for me, it's sometimes a gray area. So take a tobacco company, for example, like that actively harms people. I think it's a harder argument to make that by working with them, we can rub off our values on them and improve who they are and what they what they do as a company
0: right because that's core to who they are is selling a product that we believe is dangerous
1: right but when it's something else there's a stronger argument to be made that by working with them we're exposing them to a better way of working or to our values. And hopefully that would have a positive impact on them. But I I, I think it's a tricky area to navigate because the reverse could also be true that by exposing ourselves and working with companies that are against our values, they have a negative impact on us.
0: Yeah. And I think going back to, you know, unique thought bodiness Over my almost three years here now, I've seen many of these conversations, like lengthy, transparent, company-wide conversations, disagreements sometimes around whether to work with a client or not, and everyone kind of putting different points forward and trying to come up with a reasonable decision, I think also within that process, something else that's interesting is that they're in a way also like levels. So, you know, we allow people the opportunity to say that for, you know, personal or ethical reasons, they don't want to work with a specific client. They can also raise that to, you know, for ethical reasons, I don't think Thoughtbot should work with this client
1: at Mm. all. And I think that that's great. One of the things that I think is important then is to, extract those, like the the underlying meaning or motivation as your group is making decisions or navigating this and pull out two things, like pull out the collective knowledge of what went into that decision and everything and, and expose it for the future. And then the other is like any principles or values underlying that that are important to understand so that you can, you can carry them forward. So it's not just about For example, whether we'll work with the military or not, it's about like, is there an underlying value that gives us as a company guidance to making those decisions for the next thing that comes up?
0: Yeah. You know, an interesting example is, you know, there's a lively discussion about working with clients in certain Middle Eastern countries that have, Mm -hmm. you know, what we would consider to be oppressive regulations around certain populations and then the discussion kind of came around to like government versus the individual company. Mm-hmm. And then I think kind of further ended with like, well, what can we be doing even better in the sales process to make sure that company is aligned with our values? And could we actually be helping that country by working with companies that share our values in those countries? Really complicated, really complex stuff, but really important.
1: Yeah. And I'm not sure that we always get it right. Right. Mm -hmm. But I think the important thing is to be actively engaged and having the conversation. And I don't think values are necessarily like inherently things that come easy either. Like in some ways, values should be aspirational and somewhat difficult to completely live up to because otherwise what's the point like you're not getting the full the full value out of the value if it's just something that's super easy and comes second nature or you know at least that's how i feel about
0: it can you think of other difficult decisions the team has had to make where the values kind of pointed us in a direction
1: well a big one is you know we get quite a few actually inbound inquiries from different religious organizations mm. And I think this is super. This one's really illustrated because, you know, we want a diverse, inclusive environment, and re- religion is a super tricky area because mm-hmm. if you want a diverse, inclusive environment, you need to be inclusive of a lot of different beliefs. Yet, religious organizations tend to be hugely problematic in terms of the beliefs that they actually have. And so where we've arrived at it is is more in that area of we're going to be clear about our values. And if a religious organization is on one end of the spectrum in terms of being at odds with a significant value, that probably means we're not going to work with them. But for the most part, people will be able to take a look for themselves at the organization or who we're going to be working with and make a decision about whether they want to do the work. And, and I, I'm speaking in vague terms, but I can get like, uh, even more specific. Even if it's like the most run-of-the-mill Christian organization, that is controversial for a lot of our team. Mm-hmm. But I would find it hard to believe that we would put ourselves in a position where we said like, Christian organizations are bad and we're not going to work with Christian organizations. Like, I think that would be very difficult for our mm-hmm. team
0: to say. Cool! Wow, we're getting really into it. This is great. I think uh, this will really be helpful for people. I
1: hope so. Because also, I I think it's it's important for
0: them to know we don't know it all, and we're constantly, (laughs) you know, revisiting it.
1: Yeah, but I think it's so easy not to have these conversations or to sweep it aside. Particularly, companies, you know, you've got to stay in business, and for us, you know. We're in a position where the work we do is super tied to the companies that we're doing the work with. So, like, we have to confront those kinds of issues. Mm-hmm. I think it's even easier for a company that's just selling an off the shelf product yeah. to say that it doesn't matter. And I do, I, I think it does matter. And I think increasingly we are finding that, especially for designers and developers who can make a choice about where they work. They're in the incredibly privileged position to be in demand and and that kind of thing. It is becoming increasingly important to the workforce that they work at a company that cares about those things and makes choices that are maybe not even aligned with their values, but at least values driven so that they can understand where they fit in the world and where they fit in that organization.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Product folks hold a tremendous amount of power and can influence who their company is and and what they grow to become and how they do function in the world. And I think, you know, over the last few years, we've seen a number of large tech companies where the employees have publicized or written petitions around their company working with ICE, for example, Mm
1: -hmm. or
0: other similar organizations and really trying to push for change that way, or also just leaving and speaking publicly about value-driven reasons for why they could no longer participate.
1: Yeah. So I'm curious, as we talk to the founders at the companies we've been following along with, some of this has come out in previous conversations around being intentional, particularly people who weren't necessarily founding their first company this time around, like, being pretty intentional about the kind of company that they wanted to have but we haven't dug much into sort of like those trade-offs or what they said no to and that kind of thing so that's part of what i'm i'm curious about how their values have influenced them
0: yeah i'm also wondering if if any of them don't have written values yet i think i'm not sure Mm -hmm. so that could be a possibility
1: yeah definitely I think it's just as common for companies to have written values as it is not. Maybe it's, I feel like it's 50-50, but I don't really know.
0: I think so, especially very early stage mm-hmm. when you're trying to figure out who you are and what you're doing.
1: Sometimes I feel like, and I and I would guess people are afraid of this, is like when we have these discussions or we're struggling or something, it, it almost seems like you're tearing the company apart or like you can really cause damage. And then on the customer side, you can say, like, we don't want to be super clear about this because people might not like it. And Mm. I think that all of those concerns are actually 100% legitimate. But if you believe that these things are important, then you have to reckon with them. Mm -hmm. And it's worth it.
0: I think that's a good place to end. (laughs) Yeah, That's the whole quote. So don't forget to take our listener survey and tell us what you like and what you don't like and what you want to hear. And other than that, we're going to see you next time. You can subscribe to the show and find notes for this episode at giantrobots.fm.
1: If you have questions or comments, email us at host at giantrobots.fm. You can find me on Twitter at cpytel.
0: And me on Twitter at Lindsay3D. This podcast is brought to you by ThoughtBot and produced and edited by Tom Obarsky.
1: Thanks for listening and see you next time.
0: Fill out the survey.